Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast by Snap Projections, Episode 1. I'm your host, Pavel Braminski, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is John Page. John is an incredible person, and I feel extremely honored to have him on the show. John started in the industry as an insurance agent back in 1978 and developed a top agency with 50-plus advisors using a financial planning approach. Later, he established Page & Associates as fee-based planners, where he developed a set of innovative processes to engage and serve clients with financial planning. After turning over that business to his sons and other partners, he focused on consulting and coaching financial advisory firms as part of Wealth Enhancement Academy. Since 2013, he served as a chairman and chief adjudicator of the Plan Plus Global Financial Planning Courts. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's kick this off, the first episode of, uh, of the show, with uh, the notion of talking about successfully transitioning from product-centric into advice-centric practice. But first, I wanted to explain to listeners, what do we really mean by product-centric versus advice-centric practice? How do you think about this? Well, the way, uh, the way I think about product-centric is, is basically um, the, what's mainly on the advisor's mind is uh, selling a product. Um, and certainly nothing wrong with that. Products do have to be sold or not much would ever happen. Um, but it, sometimes it comes at the expense of, um, of rendering proper advice. And the reason I say that is if you, you could think of a situation where the, the number one issue on the advisor's mind is, is to sell something. And as a result of that, they may overlook uh, a more important need that the client has. Um, whereas if you take it the other way around, if your focus is on, on giving advice, in order to give advice, you have to ask a, a lot of questions and you have to really try to determine what the needs are. So I, I, I th that's the way I think of the difference anyway. Perfect. So let's talk maybe about product-centric. There's also the concept of com being paid by commissions. And, and we'll get to that topic. But um, okay. let's maybe talk also about uh, uh, very specific issues. Like if you can maybe just uh, uh, go and, and name a couple of the really specific issues with a product-centric advice, uh, just to be more specific here. Well, I think product-centric, I think the, the main one I may have already mentioned, which is that you could, you could very well miss the mark in terms of what is, uh, what is most important. Let, I'll give you a, a very simple example that uh, occurs quite often in the insurance business. And if you, look at a, if you look at an individual's, if you were to look at an individual's situation, uh, you might find that their most pressing need was to have something to cover their, their loss of income. Um, because the probability of a disability that, that creates a loss of income is generally far greater than the probability of death at most ages anyway. Um, 
and so yet quite often the first need that's that's covered in the in a more product centric approach is um, the need for money at premature death and not really even thinking necessarily about the person becoming disabled. So um, that that's probably the one of the most common things that that, that I think of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So. So uh, there's also has been a lot of discussion about commissions uh, being potentially banned, and I know they have a lot of uh, experience on the international uh, in the, on the international arena. But uh, um, looking at, for example, our market here, is there an underlying issue in your view with being uh, paid commissions? Um, well, there 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 could be, and it relates back probably to uh, the whole idea of product centric. Uh, if you're product centric to really to the exclusion uh, to the ultimate um, then you you might you might end up selling something which um, to make the commission which which is generally not appropriate nothing wrong with getting paid a commission if indeed you have solved the client's problems um, so I, I, that's where I think it it sometimes is inappropriate. Excellent. Okay, that makes absolute sense. So, um, and if if we look at the greater sort of area uh, of the of the business of uh, of, of a financial advisor, why um, advisors would want to transition from from commissions or from product centric compensation uh, into a, an advice centric model? Okay. Well, I I think uh, I think there's probably a growing um, move or growing group of. Um, financial advisors that um, along with being advice centric feel that somehow it's more appropriate to charge a fee rather than a, rather than a commission um, and I think where that where that idea starts is let's say for example you do an analysis for someone's needs in the event of death and as a result of your analysis, uh, it shows that they need, um, they've got a, pro- a million dollar problem. They need a million dollars of coverage in order to achieve the objectives that they wanted to achieve in the event of death. Um, so you're paid a certain commission for that. In, if you look at the situation and it turned out that their need was only a hundred, a hundred thousand, um, then Essentially, they would be you would be getting paid ten times more if it turned out that the need was a million. So, yet the work that you do is almost identical. There's very little you have to work very little harder to look after that uh, need that's ten times bigger. So, it it seems inappropriate to to some who that you would be paid ten times as much to do that. So a fee would seem to fit the situation better. I think that's, you know, probably the most um, drastic example I could give you of the difference. 
Excellent. And well, of course, I, we we see what's happening right now in the industry. So there's fee, fee compression in the in the industry, and uh, of course, the um, the, the um, investment management area is being commoditized, right? So that's a big uh, struggle for a lot of uh, or big concern for a lot of advisors because really the only source of their compensation may be going away, right? Yeah. Um, but there are also some other areas, and um, um, and there, there's one thing that you mentioned one time that uh, in our conversations that. Um, the the one problem is that sometimes the client doesn't view, um, uh, especially in a product centric uh, practice model, uh, the, the the client doesn't view the advisor as their primary advisor. What's the issue with that? Okay, okay. Well, let's. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think if you're working on a fee basis, it's a lot easier to um, paint the picture for your client that. You're there to look after the entire situation um, because, for example, if uh, let's use the example again of insurance, if you if your first the need that you first fill uh, happens to be an insurance need, uh, typically people are not going to necessarily think of you when it comes to managing their portfolio. Um, Whereas if you charged a fee to provide financial advice, it, it's people more naturally would think financial advice, um, you know, that's going to cover a very broad area. So the two kind of kind of go together in my mind. Mm-hmm. And one, the other thing is that sometimes also comes up that uh, in a product-centric world that, that, that um, uh, you know, the advisor has a problem that it's, it can be potentially much easier to replace, right? It's much more transactional w- 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 uh, way of doing business. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and and that, that does sometimes uh, create, a, create a problem, it, where, particularly where an advisor, they, they have a solution and so they're they're looking around for a problem to solve. That's okay. But if they start assuming that their solution solves all problems, that's where you run into trouble. Um, so, you know, where you're automatically prescribing um, insurance where maybe insurance is inappropriate. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's. Uh, so we talked a little bit more about the challenges um, of, on the, of the product-centric model. Uh, let's talk about the desired outcomes. What um, would be, in your view, and how would you describe a well-run financial planning practice? Well, that's a that's actually a a very large question. Uh, it certainly covers a lot more than uh, than the area that we're talking about. Um, so. Are you saying, are you asking me well run with regard to product centric, advice centric, or do you want to take it beyond that? I would probably focus on the ingredients. For example, what are the necessary ingredients in, in, uh, of the well run financial, uh, financial planning practice? Okay. Okay. That's a, uh, that's a good question. Well, once again, there, there could be quite a few uh, ingredients involved. Uh, to me, the the first thing is that you're really, truly, you've got a mechanism to determine and solve people's problems. Um, if you're not doing that, I I got to question the value of what you are doing. So you need to have a methodology that uncovers what the problems are, and then you need to have a methodology of providing solutions. 
And so those are both processes that, you know, you should be able to write it down, the, the, the track that you would follow. And um, really, everything flows out of that, I would say, because even if you think about the idea of um, you, you provide some advice today, is that advice going to be good tomorrow? Well, m- maybe not. And so part of a well-run practice would be that you have to have a, a methodical way of reviewing um, the client's situation to see if the advice you re- you rendered uh, yesterday is still appropriate. What like, do you need from the client? What what kind of information would you need from the client to know if you, if, you, if the advice you were rendering is actually useful? Oh, good gracious! Um, well, yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> tough questions. <laughs> no, no, really, you'd know. You'd want to know a lot. Um, I, I guess if you're, let, let's suppose that we're narrowing our view to. Uh, to the investment area. So yeah, our primary, primarily what the advisor does is works in the investment area. Uh, then the, the most appropriate thing or the most important thing for you to know would, would be um, actually it, it would go right along with compliance uh, in knowing the needs of your client. Uh, in order to be compliant, you, you would need to know the total amount that people have in terms of assets under management, uh, what form that took, to make sure that what you're recommending is going to fit with what they've already got. Um, good, just a quick example of that. Uh, let's say they have all uh, equity investments and you come along and you've got an an equity fund that you're very fond of that you recommend to them. Well, perhaps they're, they're overly weighted now with equity investments. And if you did not, if you knew nothing about the, the mix of their assets, you would, you would run into that problem. Fortunately, compliance almost forces, uh, forces an advisor to stick within the rules and regulations to determine, at least at a very basic level, uh, you need to know the amount of assets they have under management. You need to know their their age, probably their family situation, but certainly their age, um, and some other about something about their objectives, their time frame. Is this something that uh, you're? Are you trying to address a need that? is going to manifest itself in one year or is it something like retirement we're trying to fund? So those would be the the core things that, that you would need in order to say that you had a well-run practice sometimes, in that area. Sometimes what I hear is um, um, the, the values the client has are actually really important as well. Um, so, uh, how do you think about the values and objectives of clients? Let's say, let's assume we have the nice overview of their financial situation. We know a lot about that. Let's talk about maybe the softer uh, aspects that uh, advisors may uh, not be familiar with uh, exploring. Okay. Expand on that a little bit. I'm not sure I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm able to answer. <laughs> For sure. So let's, uh, how do you think about asking and knowing the values of, of, uh, from, the, from the client? What, okay. Why knowing their values is important? 
Okay. All right. Well, that's yeah. Sure. That's that's very important. If you don't know their, if you don't don't know anything about their values, you don't understand anything about them. You run a very high risk of um, valuating or of violating their values, which is you know it might go unnoticed uh, when it's when you first do it, but on a long run basis, it pretty inappropriate but yet the simplest area would would relate to the amount of risk that they're willing to take um, if somebody is extremely risk averse um, and you recommend all equity investments you're you've violated their values excellent um, that's exactly what I want to hear. Um, so next, let's uh, uh, let's assume that we have this uh, uh, notion of well-run uh, financial planning practice. Let's focus on the value to the client and to the advisor. I want to start with the client, right? Because I want really want to be focused on the client. What is the value to the client in the advice-centric approach? Oh well, the <clears throat> the value is is that to me that they're they're going to have their needs met much more appropriately because in order to give advice you need to understand what their needs are uh you can't just give advice um ignoring the needs so so you're forced to try to understand what the client's needs are with the advice centric approach um product centric n- not so true uh, you, you may have no understanding of what the client's values are, and your uh, your portfolio might work and it might not work. So it seems to me that, um, and I, I understand this way, that in a product-centric world, actually, the big risk is that you may actually fail as an advisor to help clients achieve their most important goals in life, right? For oh, example, successful yeah. retirement. Yeah, they, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's probably um, that's probably the most important issue, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, if you're not solving people's problems which or helping them achieve their objectives, I mean, what are you doing? You're going nowhere ultimately. Excellent. And that's absolutely right as well. Um, another question I have is, uh, let's maybe focus on the advisors. And um, are there any advantages uh, of the advice-centric approach to the business model of the advisor? Okay, well, I... I think so. Uh, some would some would disagree with me. Um, product centric is sometimes very is very quick. We don't have to uh, bother ourselves by gathering too much too much in the way of facts in order to be totally product centric. Um, we we're focused on our product, and we've got a a great product, and we want as many people to have it as possible. Uh, it's certainly not to that extreme, but th- I mean that that could be that could be the situation. So, from the from the client's point of view, uh, if someone takes the time to find out what the problems are, it seems to me that there's a much better chance that they're going to get what they want. Excellent. And what's uh, in terms of objections, for example, that you hear from advisors? Um, I know you speak with a lot of advisors uh, in Canada, internationally. Um, what are the com- most common objections that you hear uh, from advisors uh, that, that uh, think about transitioning from this uh, product-centric approach to advice-centric approach? Okay. I, you know, to, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that many advisors 
necessarily think of it in that way. Um, somehow we we associate product centric with commissions, and we associate advice centric with fees. But it doesn't have to be that way. You you could, as an advisor, you could be totally advice centric, and your and your compensation happens to be by commission. Um, so those two are are not totally incompatible. Um, there there are situations, like for years, there were situations where if you wanted to get paid by fees, you couldn't do it. You, you had to you had to take a commission. That was the only way to go. Uh, there are still some companies that do not want you to have fees. Uh, their their whole system is set up for commissions. And so they want you to be paid by commission. And actually the fear of some companies <laughs> is that you are giving advice. It, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, um, but if you're if you're perceived as giving advice, there's somehow the perception that you can do more damage. And, um, you know, companies are very, very risk averse. That's why some of them used to be not so much today, but we're very down on financial planning per se, because an advisor could make a mistake in doing a financial plan for a client. Uh, which maybe had nothing to do with the product. The, the good, a good example would be an investment advisor is doing financial planning and makes a mistake uh, in in the area of let's say that impacts insurance. So now the company uh, could be on the hook for what the advisor did, even though it had nothing to do with the business that they're in, and th th so. Uh, that's why some companies used to be just totally against the idea of planning. Right. And you know what? Let's, um, let's focus maybe on the opportunities here for advisors who actually uh, want or their licensing allows them to, uh, to actually offer uh, financial planning uh, advice and investment advice at the same time. But sometimes what we hear, at least from, 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 from our end, uh, we hear the objection that my clients won't pay fees for advice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How yeah, do you think absolutely. about that? I've, I've had uh, that in, in trying to teach what, what I teach, um, I, you know, I've heard that. I, I hear that more than I hear any other objection, that my clients won't pay fees. How do you respond to that objection? How do, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, um, to, to some degree, the, the proof is, is in the pudding. If you're... If you are have something that's valuable to the client, if you have valuable advice and it has nothing to do with a commission, um, people will pay a fee to get that valuable advice. And um, I mean, you see it over and over. So the, the idea that um, people won't pay fees is kind of it's almost nonsensical if you think about it um, that people will pay a fee if it's based on some value that you're providing to them. So the whole issue is that you have to make the services you're providing valuable. 
And if they're valuable, people will pay for them. I, I know many times uh, for years, I've gone right behind an advisor who had that attitude, uh, who perhaps uh, I, I can remember many times where an advisor had just visited a client within days and I come along behind with a different approach, looking at their total overall needs. And um, wouldn't surprisingly, the, the client is very receptive to the idea of me doing that. And the way I was compensated was fees. So lo and behold, I end up charging a fee to someone's client who it, they just got a commission and I'm charging a fee right behind them. So, um, you know, it's really all about value. If you provide value, people will pay fees. I really want to know a little bit more right now. And we are going to get into uh, how to properly articulate the value financial advice in episode number two. So we're going to go back to that topic. But now I want to know a little bit more about your process because you clearly spent you know, 30 plus years doing this. Um, so let's talk about the solutions right now. Uh, how did you go about developing your process? What prompted you uh, to develop your process in the first place? Oh, wow. I, I think probably some of it has to do with the fact that I'm, you know, I'm a very methodical uh, creature. And uh, so I, I've always figured that if I'm going to do the same thing over and over and over, it would make a lot of sense to have some sort of a process to do it. So it would take a lot less time and almost like, you know, creating a template. Uh, that's the reason for a template. It saves a lot of time. So um, I would think that's the um, that that's really the, the the thing that probably drove me the most was just my nature of, of working more efficiently um, to create a process. And I find that. The funny thing of it is um, almost everyone has a process when you do something over and over, but it may not be a very efficient process if you have not taken the time to look at it. And so what I wanted, I wanted to be efficient. I wanted to be able to, uh, to look at a person's needs uh, in the most efficient way possible. So in order to do that, I, you know, said, what, what do I need to know? And I mean, it's, it ends up with a list of questions where you fill in the blanks. So rather than jumping around randomly and asking questions or forgetting to ask something, uh, I got a, lot, a list of questions that I work with. So um, that's really where the, that's really where the thing started. And then as you got going in that direction, you're always refining the questions that you ask um, to, to, to be able to, to have the client be able to answer them more easily and to gather more information with your questions. Um, like some questions, you can gather a lot of information and others, like their name, you know, what's your name really doesn't tell you too much. So, that's probably where it started. Right. So when you look at your process, and I understand that there's sort of questions, and you probably have a different building blocks of the process. What are those different building blocks all the way from the, from the first uh, meeting with a client? 
Okay, well, that's that's a that's an interesting question. Um, my building blocks would would definitely go all the way back to where I'm first getting in touch with a client because I'm going to pay attention to how I'm positioned um, when I when I meet the client or when the uh, client discovers me. I want the client to know as quickly as possible that I'm a fee-based advisor and why I'm a fee-based advisor. So that information is going to be quite apparent uh, in in my approach. Why why is that? Well, simply because I'd rather that come up right at the beginning than you know waste a lot of time with someone and have them say, "Oh, don't you know this? I won't I won't pay fees. No, no matter how valuable you are, John, I'm not going to pay you a fee." That typically doesn't happen. But so I want to position myself in a way that I'm attractive to people right from the very beginning. If they so if they discover me, they they discover that, you know, I have this focus on finding out what your goals and objectives are. And my whole thing in life is to help you reach your goals and objectives. That's what I do for a living. Um, so that's the very beginning is how you position yourself. So then the, the next step, would, which follows right along with that, is if I'm starting at the beginning, like how do I approach the client? Well, I, I want to approach them in a certain way in order to be able to, in order for the client to understand what I do and uh, whether or not it's a, appropriate for them. To, to consider even talking to me. Um, so it starts really right at the beginning with how you meet the client. And then, you know, once you've, once you've met the client, the, the, the whole thing, the most important thing uh, is to first find out what their objectives are, what their goals and objectives are. Actually, I go one step before that and I'm unusual in that I try to actually uncover values uh, before I get into goals and objectives. And, and I have a certain process to do that, to, to determine what the client's values are. And one of the reasons for that is right out of the gate, I want to be able to, the, my uh, initial conversation with the client, I don't want to be uh, a whole bunch of fill-in-the-blanks questions I'd rather ask questions that will get them talking. Um, generally, a successful first meeting is 90% what the client has to say and 10% what, what I have to say. So the, the next step is I'm going to gather goals and objectives, and I'm going to move into what are the facts of their financial situation, um, which also is a, typically is a fill-in-the-blanks kind of thing, uh, you may find ways to do it a bit more creatively than just say, here's a form, fill it in. That I mean, you could do that, but that's not very attractive to most clients. Um, but you need to gather that information and you need to typically, you want to see the evidence of that. Like I, I want to see their statements their, uh, for the investments they have, 
uh, insurance policies, you know, all that sort of information. Maybe not right at the very beginning, but once it's determined that they have, that I'm going to work with them to, to solve their, to help them solve their uh, goals or reach their goals and objectives, then, then the next step is, you know, I'm going to be gathering detailed information, uh, picking up documents. I might even, you know, want to see their will, uh, that, that kind of thing. So that's the next part of the process. Um, and if you do that right, then I'm going to, next part is to do some sort of a needs analysis. And, um, nine out of 10 times, I'm going to use some software, uh, in order to do that need analysis. And so you probably know more about that area than I do. So it's a, but it's a matter of putting the information in the software. And then when the inf- when it gives me back information, I need to analyze, um, you know, what it all means. Like if the analysis in the event of death shows that there's a, a million dollar hole, I need to, you know, fully understand that. And even to find out like, what in the heck? I didn't realize that they had that much need. So I may w- want to dig into and and look at the how the software came up with that number. I I need to understand that, not in intricate detail, but you 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 get what I'm saying, right? So I want to back up for a second. So uh, because we are we are getting a little bit more details on the side of, of um, on the side of uncovering needs, but I want to talk about one thing that we got a lot of questions about. When do you uh, and how do you position pricing? When do you mention pricing and how do you position pricing with clients? Okay, that's um, like the, the pricing, of course, it, it, by pricing, if you're working on a fee basis, uh, pricing is, is probably the right word. Um, so when do, you, when do you disclose what your fees are? Well, <clears throat> um, I, there's probably a lot of opinions about that, but you recall, I said right in the beginning, I want them to know that I'm a fee-based advisor. And I know they're going to have the question in their head when when we first get started. You know, if I work with you, what's it going to cost? And so mm-hmm. I would have no reluctance to give somebody a ballpark idea up front. And I'll just, based on what I see of their situation, I would say, well, probably it would be about um, so much up front and then a monthly fee of so much. And I may not disclose, I I personally would disclose all that up front um, because I'm very confident in, in what I do is the right way to do it. So that's why you know, I can easily do that where someone else may not be able to do it, uh, certainly without practice or without, you know, developing the, developing the confidence that what they're doing is the right thing. So for me, it's right up front. And then as, as a matter of w- when I con- consummate the engagement, um, I typically would do that at the first, generally the second meeting where I have a proposal for the client that this is your situation. These are all the things that I see. And yes, I'm confident that I can do a whole number of things for you. And here's what they are. And I would outline 
some of those. And then I would say, and the, the fee to do this would be whatever it is. Um, so the, the trick there is you, you need to make sure that you underscore the value that you're providing um, very quickly after you disclose what the fee is. Ideally, it should be prefer, uh, before. They need to know what the value is before you tell them what the fee is. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into that in more detail at, at some point. Absolutely. Yes, we were going to have a, a very detailed conversation in pri- uh, about pricing. Um, this is going to be uh, episode number three, pricing and structuring your service offering to make it irresistible to prospects. Um, but I also know that uh, you have some uh, thoughts on, on, on the pricing. So typically, um, uh, the, the objections that I at least hear from advisors is that uh, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of effort and um, you know, to even come up with the right pricing structure, right? So uh, can you t- talk on, on a high level, how do you approach structuring uh, the pricing for, for clients? Is this the same for everybody or is this different depending on their situation? Okay, well, th- that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I'm aware of a whole bunch of different ways that you can that you can approach that, um, and uh, over a period of uh, twenty twenty years, thirty years, uh, my methodology changed. Um, the The first thing, uh, the very first thing that I did was I came up with an idea that I would charge a percentage of assets and a percentage of income. And um, the reason I did that is because typically there's some connection between those numbers and the amount of work that I have to do. Um, That was the very first thing that I did. And you have to be careful, of course, how you express that to the client. Otherwise, they're they're going to say, "What a percentage of my income? Are you crazy?" So there, <laughs> you know, there's a whole process to that, of course. Um, and then I moved on from there to looking at in more more definitively all of the things that I might do for a client, and actually looking at how long they would take, and. Th- much like, you know, you take your car in to the dealer and they give you uh, an estimate ahead of time. And the way they do that is, is they know exactly how long it takes to, uh, to put on a particular part. They've done it before, so they know how long it takes and they can price it. And the approach was basically the same way. Um, and, and then that even got more sophisticated to to looking at a simple situation or a real complicated situation. For example, how long does it take to review their insurance policies? Um, Well, if they've got one, not too long, but you'll encounter some people that have 40 of them. And so there's a big difference there. Um, So it, 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 my methodology tended to get more detailed uh, the longer I went at it, and then I, I I found that I was going into too much detail. And by and large, if you're able to simplify the the way that you charge fees for clients, you're better off. The the thing that I always said to a client is my fees are based on time and complexity, and generally most people get that. 
you know, based on time, everyone can relate to that in complexity. If it's a very complex problem, it's going to cost more um, because in my office, I have to solve that myself. If it's a simple problem, I can have staff work on it and they don't cost much. So let me just say one more thing. The latest innovation it comes uh, is is going on in the U.S., and this is among high-end advisors. They're just charging flat fees for what they do, and their definition of what they do is, I do everything, anything the person wants me to do that's financially related, and they charge a flat fee for that. Uh, believe it or not, there, there are guys that I know that are charging thirty and 40000 a year to someone to look after their financial situation. And, it, you know, if you ask me, what do you do? I do everything, whatever the client wants me to do. Um, so that, that would really be the, the penultimate, the, the other end of the spectrum. Uh, you generally, you're going to start out with some sort of, I mean, you, you need to have a way to charge the fees. The, the very first fee I charged, how did I get the number? I pulled it out of the air. I figured I'm going to say as much as I can that the client will not say no. And the very first time I did it, 30 years ago, it was $75. Not an hour, but $75 to produce a plan. I, I laugh at that um, because 10 years later, um, you know, I was charging easily in the thousands. It could cost four or five thousand, or cost a thousand or three hundred, based on the situation. Excellent. So, I mean, I know the pricing is a very, very complex area, and I know you have a process methodology around it. So I, I do look forward to uh, looking at this a little bit more in a little bit more detail. So now, as we come to the close here, um, I want to ask um, a question. Uh, that would help uh, advisors who are convinced that the advice-based model is the way to go, but they're maybe not sure. They're 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 not they're not sure where to start. So what um, uh, and how would you recommend for somebody to start transitioning into into more advice-based uh, uh, practice? Okay, the the transitioning that's a that's a really important question, and I, I guess almost could be a whole episode. But let me give you the very very high level. Um, generally, you're not going to, you know, make a, an announcement to your entire practice. Um, as of January 1st, I'm charging fees. Um, that, that, of course, would scare people. So you're going to do it um, one by one as people, either as you take on a new client, you're going to Start with whatever method you're going to use, and you're going to charge a fee to a new client. And um, or when you're doing a review for a client, you could explain to them that you've developed a, a method of being compensated that you feel provides more value to them. Um, and and that would that would be how you would express it. And it needs to, you know, follow that that headline. Um, so that would be the beginning of transitioning. It would it would typically be one by one. Most advisors will take a year to three years, depending on how big their practice is, 
to transition. Some advisors never totally transition. They define what part of the practice is commission and what part is fees. So that would be your first consideration. Do you want to charge everyone a fee uh, or do you want to leave some people on commission? So I'm, I'm sorry I'm seemingly make it, making it complex. It's only because it, it is complex if you think it through. And you need to think it through in order to do it right. And you do know your clients better than anyone else, or at least we hope you do. Absolutely. And I know I'm asking very tough questions here and very big questions. So, but you know what? That's what uh, we were hearing from advisors all the time. That's what, that's the value I want to bring to them. So, um, and of course, uh, the transitioning uh, question uh, is a big one. Uh, really what I hear is, you know, we, we need to start with the, with the end on line, uh, yeah. the end in mind, right? So Stephen Covey is one of the, yeah. one of the uh, critical Ab- roles. Absolutely. I certainly believe that you want to begin with the end in mind. So you need to know where you're going. Question, last question here, John, as, uh, as we come to close. So what do you think, what was the one thing that made you successful with your process? Wow, that's a, I, I think the one thing that made me successful with the process would be that the process genuinely helped clients reach their goals and objectives. And they could they would realize it they would know as a result of working with this guy i've reached my goals and objectives and the evidence of that sometimes is if you're doing a review the person's just retiring i had one lady jump up and hug me um <laughs> you, you know she said without you we we never would be able to retire now what a fantastic answer to, the, to this question. John, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show and for providing so much value to the listeners. My pleasure indeed. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in episode number two, how to properly articulate the value of financial advice. Talk to you then. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojections.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review, which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.